0: Welcome to Seniors and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie. I'm Pinky. And I'm Wendy. So our topic today is older adults and mental health. Our discussion will focus on exactly what mental health is, why it is important to take care of our mental health as we age, the symptoms of mental disorders in older adults, some of the risk factors for mental health problems among older adults, we're going to talk about depression and aging and the state of mental health and aging in America. And we will be sharing information from the National Institute of Health, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And we will tie in our roles as our, as professionals in the healthcare arena, what we are currently doing. But before we start, as always, we have a disclaimer. Will you just move forward, Pinky, with a disclaimer?
1: Yes. We are neither physician or lawyer. If you have any medical or legal issue, you should seek the advice of practitioner or lawyer.
2: So let's start by defining what mental health is. One of the resources that we used in our research was called Mental Health Home. This website states that In mental health, it includes our emotional, our psychological, and our social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make healthy choices. In essence, mental health is important at every age of life, from childhood, adolescence, and through adulthood, I think seniors have a lot of stress and choices to make. It's no wonder to me that mental health could be a struggle for that age group.
0: Exactly. And as you indicated, in each phase of our lives, we are impacted or affected by our mental health, by our mental well-being. And oftentimes it doesn't get any easy, easier.
1: As a nurse for many years in the geriatric field, I have learned that depression, which is one type of medical illness, increase the risk of many type of physical health problem, particularly long lasting condition like diabetes, heart disease and stroke. I also have observed with my conversation with the healthcare professionally in the mental health field, that the presence of chronic condition can increase the risk for mental illness.
0: That's really important, Pinky, that certain health conditions can impact one's mental state. A person's mental health, we know, can change over time. It depends on factors such as demands on our economic statuses, on our physical resources, And a while back, we discussed caregiving. And in that particular episode, we talked about how that can lead to a change in your mental health being. Other kinds of issues impacting mental health for older adults is another is working long hours. As we know, uh, people are retiring much later in life, which means that they continue to work. We also talked a while back about social isolation. So oftentimes happens when you lose a loved one at, at, at home and even loved ones in um, the long-term care facilities. So these are some of the things that impact one's mental health over time. I might
2: also add that most older adults do have good mental health, but to add to what Pinky had said previously, neurological conditions, substance use problems, hearing loss, Osteoarthritis are conditions that can be experienced over time, and sometimes these conditions can occur even at the same time that can impact mental health. Another thing that comes to mind is prolonged grief. I've seen prolonged grief, losing your partner, losing people that are important to you. I, I don't think we fully realize how that impacts older adults as their friends and their family start to die and they lose those people. And I think we're all familiar with grief, but it happens much more frequently in your your group of peers and your group of family that are your age in older folks. And you know, I just think about listening to my dad talk about with his group of friends that several of them have lost spouses as he has as well. And it it really starts to wear on people.
0: And when we had um, Barry on a a week or two ago, I was so um, happy to hear about that particular group, that organization that was there for those who are in those um, grieving states. Yep. And it's so important to actually have people, have some kind of interactions, have some things to do, because as you stated, Wendy, Grief can be lasting for more than a year or two. And sometimes we think after three months, six months, people are in the process of, of readjusting their lives. But oftentimes that's just a smoke screen. There's just a facade. They're really not yeah. doing that well. And sometimes
2: well. like the year after can be worse because... All the support has died down. All the people gathering around has sort of gone away, and that can be a tough time. And just like you said, Barry's group is great. That sense of connection, that sense of community, friendship, that's what seniors need. And so often they are isolated, and things like not being able to get out to visit your friends can really impact them.
0: And even the fact, as Pinky pointed out, the chronic illness, something... That is a long lasting illness, it impacts your mental well being. If you're diabetic and over a number of years, I never realized the impact of how that affects how you are feeling, I guess, in terms of waking up every day and have, having to abide by what you're supposed to be abiding by when you have certain illnesses. So if you're diabetic, you know that you have to be mindful of what you eat, you have to be uh, aware of certain kinds of uh, certain kinds of um, behaviors that you have to be aware of and I guess that can over a period of time really um, impact you really affect you make you really feel down and so forth what do you think about that pain?
1: that is definitely and I'm the close to that age and I also have a diabetic and other as we say that medical condition also affect your mental health so I can see myself sometime on that dilemma it feel like oh this is the day I'm down today I don't want to do nothing and I'm an active person because I'm still working so think about people who are not active or they are not working and they are home by themselves day after day how that mental health with all other chronic medical condition affects them. And as we earlier, you guys talked about Mr. Barry's group. I think that's a wonderful thing to reach out the people that to bring the socialization to reduce some mental health issue that they will feel after isolation and loss of loved one or any other reason that affect them.
0: Great. I came along some important stats from the World Health Organization. And one particular stat is that between 2015 and 2050, guys, listen to this, the proportion of the world's population over 60 years will nearly double. It will be from 12% to 22%. And the mental and neurological disorders among older adults account for six point six tenth percent of the total disability of this age group. And in addition, approximately 15% of adults age 60 and over suffer from a mental disorder. What are some of these mental disorders? Well, we know one is depression, but there are other types of psychosis. There's also um, suicide or epilepsy, dementia, and substance use disorders. They're also included um, in the World Health Organization stats. Um, There's an important program um, that they also have, and I found this to be very valuable for the listening audience um, in terms of mental health in older adults. Um, There's an organization called, or a portion of the World Health Organization, called Mental Health Gap. Action Program, and this particular program aims to improve care for mental, neurological, and substance use disorders through providing guidance and tools to develop health services in resource-poor areas. What that pretty much means is that there are certain groups, and I think this was brought out in one of the episodes that um, we had our guest speaker, who I think lived pretty much in um, rural areas. I think it was Kentucky, Wendy, if I'm not um, mistaken. And she did indicate some of the areas that, that didn't provide the kind of resources for those that particular population. So I would only surmise that in terms of mental health, that is probably also scarce in terms of resources or where one can go.
2: Yep. I know my daughter-in-law worked in... The very rural areas of kentucky and tennessee as a med student and she talked to me about how much the emergency department saw that and how little resources there were in those areas it's not like where we are where we're in the middle of hospital palooza
1: here <laughs>
0: yeah yeah every time so, look not not
1: that it that doesn't times a struggle so, yeah yeah
0: exactly but
1: mm-hmm. well, that is really good initiative by who, because it also recognized dementia as a public health priority.
2: I know we spoke at length a while back about dementia, but I would like to tie in dementia, depression and aging. People think that depression is a part of normal aging, but that is not true. Old age does not mean eventual depression. Think about how many older folks that are really have a tremendous quality of life they're living exactly. life at the fullest. I mean, we've had folks talked about them here on this podcast. Barry is a perfect example of that. He's exactly. just he's just grabbing it by the horns and going Old age does not mean eventual depression. Dementia is a syndrome, and it can be progressive in nature. It it is a deterioration in memory, thinking, behavior, and the ability to perform everyday activities. It is not a normal part of aging. I mean, you can see it's really damaged to your brain. It's very obvious. Yeah, I think that's important to show. And And I think also... As people get older, we see them with more and more chronic conditions. And let's face it, chronic conditions suck. Yeah. And having pain, living with pain every day, living with limitations every day, that can really affect how you feel about
0: life. And I agree. And then I I see how you are tying in depression and dementia because oftentimes, and you can expound on some of those um, emotional changes, but when When people see you withdrawing or disengaging or when people are seeing you being irritable, the first thing they want to say is, oh, she's starting to have dementia or he's starting to have dementia. But talk about that, these emotional changes, Wendy.
2: Yeah, here are some. Being irritable or grumpy, being forgetful, feeling confused, feeling restless, no interest in normal activities, obsessive thoughts, frequent crying, weight gain or loss, oversleeping, not having a change in your habits, suddenly not wanting to leave your home. The list goes
1: on.
0: And these are really symptoms of depression. Right. And they can be so confusing.
1: So it's very easy, as you say. So it's very easy to mistake one with other. And that is why it is also important to seek medical attention to help in getting diagnosed and treated as some as possible. And if you know senior experience any of these symptoms, you should play an active role in getting them diagnosed and treated.
0: Well, we're all in different kinds of arenas in healthcare, and we've been in healthcare for a good number of years. From your um clinical reimbursement role, Pinky, talk a little bit about that and how. Um, mental health impacts what you do um, every day in terms of how you actually do what you do.
1: Again, we earlier we say it's so easily mistaken because the symptom of dementia, symptoms of depressions go hand in hand. So first roles comes to when I my role in healthcare. To get the professional help to justify diagnosis, is it dementia or it is depression? And usually, we wanted to go through the depression aspect first because people who live in a long-term care or they came to live in a short-term care facility, there is a major change in on their life. So there is everybody heard the voice situational depression and situational depression comes out like just like the symptom that we describe so we need to treat as thing of a life changing experience and people are feel that mental illness coming through that changes so as we say we have to get diagnosis first very well which where we get our attending physician to make sure, and then we include the professional we call psychiatry or so psychotherapy. We don't want to start somebody on right away medication to treat because there is other way to treat them because people might be lonely the way they are coming from. So, talking to them and remind them, oh, this situation just. Temporary, you will be come out, you will be get strong. And they change their mental hygiene somewhat. So that is my main role to mainly when people come in a facility, make sure that we don't diagnose Of all, And don't, as soon as we find something, nowadays people are so much in medication, like medication going to work in 24 hours. It doesn't work. So you need to try to use other resources or other technique to treat mental hygiene or mental health before you jump on medicating somebody. And that's my job when anyone's psychiatrist comes and say, okay, I'm going to start so-and-so. And that comes to my point, oh, wait a minute. you just Person has been here just five, six days ago. Give him some time. Let's start psychotherapy. Somebody come three times a day to talk to her, find out what is his life outside, what he like to do. And that's where main role come to. end. you know, there is other discipline on a nursing home, like activity director, social worker, that which is cooking. And you will explain your role, major role on that aspect. But yeah, that's the main thing as we discussed you need to do not ignore the symptoms and do not diagnose symptoms wrong because a lot of symptoms goes hand to hand. And when you wrongly diagnose any condition, you're wrongly going to treat that condition. And that might be reverse effect. So role comes to it, try to then get the correct treatment.
2: As far as being a hospice nurse, it's really a struggle. It's You almost think it's pretty normal to feel depressed and upset and anxious about dying or about your loved one dying, which is frequently, it seems to be harder on families. So we deal with that a lot. We have counselors. We have social workers. We have chaplains, music therapists. We try to throw whatever we have available to us. We can also refer people to a psychiatrist if needed. If it kind of crosses the boundaries of needing more support. I find that the people left behind are the ones that really struggle with it. And we have bereavement support that we provide free at hospice, not just for our patients, but for anybody who has lost somebody recently, we can provide free support for them. And then if it gets, again, where it crosses a line, where they need additional, more support than we can provide out of the scope of what we do, we we can make them a referral. We can hand them off to community resources and support. We try to do as much as we can for our patients. But I do think it is a natural thing to feel upset about what's happening.
0: Exactly. And Pinky, I guess, touched on what I do in terms of um, social work social services. And and you pretty much stated the same thing, uh, Wendy. Even if someone is on hospice, there is the expectation that there may be some feelings of sadness, depression, maybe not only just for the patient, but for the family members too. In my role, they're coming in and they're impacted by their current health condition, whether it is through a loss of a limb, maybe a recent stroke, maybe um, heart disease or whatever. And they're coming in and they are not certain as to whether or not they will improve. They're not certain as to how long they will be in that particular environment. Will they be able to be rehabilitated, and return home and what it means in terms of their finances, their living status. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it is not unrealistic that people come in and you expect them to have what Pinky described as situational depression. I I have to capture that. And most of the time, those indicators that I pay attention to are loss of appetite. Are you able to sleep? How were you sleeping at home compared to how you sleeping now how is your concentration or focusing um sometimes your focus does get off when you're worried or concerned about other things in addition to that are you feeling as though you are a maybe you're letting yourself down or you're letting families down are you just feeling bad about yourself overall and then of course um are you thinking about hurting or harming yourself as in terms of your current status so These things lead to some, these kinds of indicators, these kinds of responses can lead to more thorough assessments, um, should psychotherapy be involved. And if you are thinking about hurting or harming yourself, what steps we have to put in place to make sure that does not happen. As as stated, that feeling of sadness, disengagement, feeling all for a period of time can pass, But as time continues, if we don't see any improvement, if we don't see that you are adjusting to your current situation, then I have to probably concur that that person is depressed, not just situationally, but that person has some real depressive um, symptoms. And oftentimes when people come in, we need to know whether or not they do have um, a diagnosis of depression. Um, We have to determine what medications they are taking and we have to make sure that there's not a, a lack of that so it's a lot to be concerned with when our uh, patients are coming into facilities as such agreed so is there any other items related to uh, what we do on a day in and day out basis that we want to share with the readers or do you think we have depressed them enough
2: I think that there are a lot of resources today that probably weren't available 20 years ago with the internet. I even know like with apps, there's apps that will take you through deep breaths. There's apps that will give you 10 or 15 minute meditations each day. And I'm not saying that's going to cure all your problems. But I do find there are handy resources. There are tons of YouTube videos. You do have to kind of weed through them because there's probably a lot of crap out there as well. <laughs> but there's lots of YouTube videos. I would go for the World Health Organization, the, the reputable government agencies or the AMA, things like that before I'd go to the guy who's running his YouTube channel from his basement. And lots, there are lots of resources out there. Somebody who's isolated, pick up the phone and FaceTime people. Tell people what you need. I I would like to FaceTime the grandkids or young people get really involved in their lives, but I think it's okay to reach out and say what you need, what you like.
0: Yeah. There's no shame Mm -hmm. to express how you feel. You don't need to put that face on. You can be vulnerable. You can be open to getting help, and I think that once we come to realize, and we kind of touched on this in episode or two before on social isolation, we just need to be open to it and utilize what we have available. If it's not family, we can utilize our church family. If it's not immediate families, organizations like Barry. But when you lose a limb or you have to be on heart medication for The rest of your life yeah that that makes you feel differently but at least you're getting some help medically and so just have your pity party you're entitled to have your pity parties but don't stay there all the time and it's easy for some to say it than others but trust me we all go through something so you want to take a break and come back with our medical terminologies from pinky and of course pinky we do need one of your jokes (laughs)
2: Welcome back, everybody. Let's talk about some of the resources that you can use to help you or anyone you feel might need it. Do some further research for mental health. There's the American Psychological Association Depression and Suicide in Older Adults resource. That's apa.org slash pi slash aging slash depression. I'm going to put these all in the show notes as well. There's the Geriatric Mental Health Foundation, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources, Older Adults and Mental Health. That's a report from the Surgeon General. And then there is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. So this is new. It's nationwide. You simply dial 988. If you or someone you know is in a crisis, is in a mental health crisis or feeling suicidal or having thoughts of harming themselves, don't worry about if it's appropriate or not. Just go ahead and dial the number and they can help you. I'd rather you called and it turns out it's a false alarm than not call.
0: Exactly. Exactly. There's no shame in the game. I agree with you. Thanks for sharing that, Wendy.
1: Okay this is Pinky and we are going to hear my joke i hope you guys like it a middle aged woman had a heart attack and was taken to the hospital while on operating table she had near death experience seeing god she asked is my time up god says no you have another 43 years 2 months and 8 days to live upon recovery the woman decided to stay in the hospital and have a facelift, liposuction, tummy tuck. She see, since she had so much more time to live, she figured she might always look as good as it is. After her last operation, she was released from the hospital. While crossing the street on her way home, she was hit and killed by ambulance. Driving in front of God, she demanded, I thought you said I had another 40 plus year. Why didn't you pull me out of the path of the ambulance? God replied, my child, I'm so sorry. I didn't notice you. <laughs> I, I heard that somewhere. I, thought, I have not.
0: I heard that somewhere. That's great, Pinky.
2: There
0: you go. It's a lesson. Life it lesson. It is. Yeah. So if you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future topics, please visit our website. We ask that you subscribe to our upcoming episodes by visiting www.seniorscast.com. Our episodes are released every other Tuesday morning. You can also email us on seniors seniorscast.com or you can go on Google I'm sorry Google or Facebook and just type in seniors and the people who love them and we will come up also we are give, one
2: of a kind
0: we are one of a kind also give our podcast a review on Apple podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast
1: so that's end of our episode for this evening my name is Pinky I'm Cookie. And I'm Wendy. Until next bye-bye. time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye.